Welcome to the Options Millionaire Podcast, where we walk you through the tools, techniques, and strategies we use to become seven-figure traders in the options market. Your hosts are Peter and Travis, founders of the Options Wealth Academy. Okay, welcome everyone to the Options Millionaire Podcast with Peter and Travis. This is episode number two. And uh, in this episode, we are going to cover what's your favorite option strategy and why. So with that, I am going to let Travis start. I didn't even <laughs> tell him this ahead of time. So I've just completely thrown up. him under the bus. And um, no, and I don't, you know, what? I didn't even think I, I should let you introduce yourself. I never, I didn't even let you say hi. Just no, jumped right I, into it. I can say hi now. Okay, there you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, welcome everyone. Well, we're going to show you the path to a million dollars through the options market, also called stock options or options trading, a relatively unknown way to invest in the stock market. It's been around since the 70s, but very few people know it exists. So that's why we do this podcast to get this information out because it has allowed me, Travis, to achieve financial freedom and leave corporate America when I was in my early 30s. And so today, topic, what is my favorite strategy? I have the smart aleck answer. Then I have, I have different answers depending on who asks me, but my smart aleck answer is someone asked me on YouTube, what's your favorite strategy? I was like, I don't, my favorite strategy is whatever the stock market tells me to use. Um, And what that means is, (sighs) I try to be fluid and flexible. And the stock market, use it as my dance partner, right? So the stock market moves to the left. I want to move to the left. If it moves to the right, I want to move to the right. Versus if the stock market moves to the left and then I move to the right, that equates to me losing money, right? It's because I have this favorite strategy and I only want to use this one strategy. But what if the market environment is not good for that strategy? That's how I started investing. Every What they say when you have a hammer, everything looks like a nail or something like that. I, I always screw up sayings, but <laughs> to to a carpenter or somebody, a person with a hammer, everything looks like a nail. I think I hope you get the point if you heard that phrase before. Um, so that's how I used to start. Is like I never evaluate because I was so stuck on one strategy because I was like, it's my favorite. I love it. I make so much money with it, which is was buying calls and puts just. This is sort of like buying stocks, right? You just buy stuff when it accumulates in value or increases in value, you sell it for a profit, right? Uh, But the market environment wasn't always great for that type of strategy. But since it was my favorite strategy, I was always trying to use it in any market environment and and it, it didn't work out. So over the years, as I matured and wised up, I said, you know what? I'm going to let the stock market tell me what's my favorite strategy at a given period of time. Um, so that's a very long-winded smart aleck answer, but that's generally my smart aleck answer is like, what's your favorite strategy? I don't have one, whatever the market tells me, because I want people to understand that some strategies don't work in certain environments. Uh, it's no different than bond hold. Bond hold works great when the market's going up, right? But when the market's going down, you can dollar cost average, right, where you buy a set amount each month. And you look next month and you're losing money because the market's falling, right? And so that, yeah, that's not, you're like, ah, oh, I'm buying stuff and it keeps falling. Yes, it's not a great strategy right now, but in the future it will pay off because you're buying things cheaper. But um, it's it's emotionally uncomfortable buying something and watching it fall immediately, right? So anyway, so that's my long-winded answer, but I actually do have a favorite strategy is one I learned from, uh, oddly enough, 
Well, somebody is considered one of the world's uh, most uh, famous investors, uh, Warren Buffett. Uh, depending on when you look at this, uh, you know he could be he could have left the earth right now. He's still off, but he runs a company called Berkshire Hathaway with his buddy Charlie Munger, and it's a strategy I call the Buffett strategy. A lot of people view him as a value investor, someone who buys stocks or companies when they're cheap and on sale. A lot of people don't realize that he's made billions of dollars trading options or using options. I won't say he really trades options, but he uses options. Very few people know this. Um, and if you, I don't think I've ever heard him talk about it in an interview ever, right? It's like this big secret in Wall Street. Um, maybe two articles on the internet about it, um, maybe a few more, but it is in his shareholder letters, Berkshire Hathaway shareholder letters. And so I read the letters. Um, discovered he used options and then kind of um, went into my mad scientist lab to figure out uh, how us average investors could do the same thing, his strategy, which involves selling uh, put options. Um, for put options, let's do a quick basic lesson. Put options are created in the 70s as a form of stock insurance, right? And so if you have a stock, um, this would just be a short, oversimplified example, just so you can understand it. So if you have a stock, you can buy something called a put option for it. And it's just like buying insurance, right? If the stock falls and crashes in price, you can file an insurance claim, aka exercise your put option. The broker will give you all your money back, right? That's what puts were created for in the 70s as a form of insurance. Well, you can Buffett loves insurance companies. Everybody knows that. He buys insurance companies, they sell insurance, right? You pay them premiums in exchange for them taking on risk, right? They they agree to, you know, give you money for your car, your house, you know, if something happens in an accident or things like that. So you can sell stock insurance to people, right? You can make, I think I was looking at a contract yesterday. I think I could make, I want to say it was like $1,500. I could sell an insurance contract to an investor. I would get paid $1,500 in exchange for insuring their stock portfolio for about 30 grand. So that would be my potential risk. I have to buy like $30,000 worth of stock. Potentially, right? that's only if the, the the insurance contract gets you know exercised or things like that. But fifteen hundred, so that's what Buffett does. He sells stock insurance to other people. It takes a fifteen hundred, and that's what I used to do for years until I kept reading the letters and I missed the. It was like literally a ending of the sentence. He says, "Money we've received billions of dollars selling these put contracts. Money we have invested." And I always overlook that last part. I'm like, oh my gosh. I was just I used to just let the 1500 sit in my account, right? Like, oh, that's nice money. I just do this every month. But they take it and leverage it even further. They invest that money. And that's what I started doing. So now I sell stock insurance. I get $1,500. I take that 1500 and then I invest it in other things, whether it's buying stock shares or buying uh, what I call my Buffett call options. And that's my favorite strategy now. I sell stock insurance. I take the money and I invest it in long-term call options. And so... That is my favorite strategy right now, the Buffett strategy. I'm actually currently considering writing a book about it. Um, so uh, if you see a book published called that, then you'll know I decided to move forward with that. <laughs> yeah, I think it would. Uh, well, folks will. Uh, it's one of the most satisfying strategies because it uh, gets you into a different frame mind of an investor. So mm -hmm. one of the hardest things to learn is how to be in the right frame mind of an investor, whether you're real estate, uh, stocks, you trade options like Travis and I do. Um, 
instead of looking at it like, okay, every time I generated uh, a profit from my options trade, I don't take that out and buy a new pair of sneakers or whatever, right? <laughs> yes. Uh, or if I do, I only take a percentage of it out, right? And I take the other percent, maybe 50%, and I reinvest mm-hmm. it into something else. So, yeah. Um, and that will be a future episode called compounding because that's exactly mm. what you're doing, right? And that's mm-hmm. what you've taught me to how to yeah. do is how to take your wins and compound them. And um, it's one of the, <clears throat> It's probably one of the best feelings when you realize that you just made a significant amount of money in the stock market and a majority of it wasn't even yours to begin with. No. Uh, it's a weird, weird feeling when you think about uh, making money off stocks you don't even own. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and in many cases, you're generating more income than the dividend if it's a dividend stock, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, and your risk is significantly less right so Mm -hmm. yeah the buffett strategy is that's definitely one of the strategies that um i think goes towards the whole goal of being wealthy because you can't you can't you can't be at that in that category if you don't understand all the facets of what goes into learning the buffett strategy because it's more than just selling a put and using that money to buy another asset there's a whole lot that goes into it but once you learn it, it's like, oh yeah, that's not really difficult. Mm-mm. It it's not. It's difficult emotionally, psychologically, not um, ta- tactically. Um, right. But you touched on the why, and I totally forgot. I didn't talk about the why, but you touched on it. Uh, the summary is: I get market beating returns without investing any of my own money. Mm-hmm. That sounds unbelievable. My returns are generally infinite. My account might grow twenty, thirty percent a year, but my returns are infinite because I didn't use any of my own money. Right, it, you just yeah. heard me. I sell it, but the, the broker might tie up money in case I have to pay out that insurance claim. But I didn't invest my own money. Or I got to pay fifteen hundred. I took that fifteen hundred. I bought investing in something else. I compounded my profit. That fifteen hundred generally will turn into three thousand, four, five thousand in about six months, and I cash out. So I cash out, and I wound up walking away with six grand profit. And I ask people, well, how much of my money did I invest? And they're like, oh, 1500 I'm like, no, I didn't. That wasn't my money. It was the money the market gave me, money I received right. selling. I didn't use any of my own money. So I just made 6000 out of thin air, right? And that's what I've been doing because it's super low risk in my opinion, but it is hard psychologically because you. it's a long-term strategy. It's nothing quick, right? You're not going to make that in like two weeks. So you have to sit six, 12 months, but I love it because it, it gives me discipline and patience like a long-term successful investor. So that's my why. I get market beating returns without investing any of my own money. It's simple. It's a once-a-year strategy. Maybe takes me about 10 minutes and I'm done. And I got the rest of the year to twiddle my fingers. That's the hard part about the strategy. People yeah. feel like I should be doing something. The market's moving. Yeah, you should be doing something, sitting still and not doing anything. <laughs> That's what you should be doing. But people can't get, it's just so counterintuitive, especially if you come from the working class. No, I have to work hard for my money. Do rich people work hard? Do they look like they work hard to you? No, right? You usually get pissed at them because they're like chilling all the time and like they're making all this money while you're going working 12, 14 hours a day, right? It doesn't look like rich people work hard. <laughs> so join them. And that's the hard part. It's shifting that psychology. Like, no, it's not about working hard. It's about working smart. So 
that's it. I'm shut up. I'm over my 10 minute limit. <laughs> no, that, that's, that's fantastic because it brings up other, it brings up so many points that I'm sure if I'm thinking of them, our listeners are thinking of them too. Um, and, and so first and foremost, wealthy people do actually work hard. You just don't see it when they showcase them. Yeah, you uh, they, they always showcase wealthy people after they've done all the hard work, mm-hmm. um, like a Jeff Bezos, right? Yeah. Richest man in America. Mm-hmm. Um, but they don't show you that he was, you know, living on ramen noodles for there the first five years of his life. Mm-hmm. And as a matter of fact, I read, uh, I read in a book, I can't remember, uh, if it was one of the millionaire books I read, um, where he didn't actually even take an income for the yes. first two decades, I think it was yep. of Amazon's business. So he didn't actually even take anything. Um, so that's the hard work that most people mm-hmm. are not willing to put in. Yeah. Right. And and that's kind of the investor is the same as the entrepreneur. There's times you're going to work really hard. I learned it trading options, mm-hmm. you know, took me a long time to get, I've been doing it now for 10 years it hasn't been 10 years of all profits. Yeah, you go. <laughs> it's yep. been for me because I, I like to do things the hard way instead of the smart way. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first three years were just a complete battle. Um, and I made nothing. You know, I, I, I realized I made a ton. But from if you looked at my checking account there or my go. investment account, I didn't make anything um, because you know, you're, you're, you're putting in all the hard work to get paid later. Most yes. people wouldn't take up a job where the employer says, okay, you work for me for a year. I'm not going to pay you for the first year, but then <laughs> you have, if you meet your goal in that first year, you don't have to come back to work and I'll pay you for the next three. There you go. It sounds enticing until they get into the first three months and they're like, wait a minute, how do I pay for gas? How do yeah. I do, how do I do all these things? Right. So, yeah. um, anyway, sorry, that was a long winded, uh, kind of roundabout way to bring up one of those, I think was a very important point. And no, I'm glad you did. It, Cause you're right. People might take that the wrong way. Like, Oh, getting rich is easy. I don't have to work hard. I'm like, oh, you're right. Rich people do work hard. It's a different kind of work though. Right. It's not the work hard us working class. And I say us, cause I come from a working class family. Like what we used to, so right, it's right. a different kind of work. So leverage, it's exactly it's, yeah, it's just a, a leverage way to work. Meaning that working class, you work for a dollar, you get a dollar. A rich way of working is I work for a dollar, but I wind up receiving ten dollars. Right? right, it's a leverage way of working. Um, so you're working on high impact activities. So that's right. a better way of saying it. All right, Peter, what's your favorite strategy and why? <laughs> so this was tough because I it's. Uh, I have, so I teach two strategies that you taught me, right? Mm -hmm. And um, the most difficult one is the simplest one. Mm. And it's my favorite because it's, it's a very passive strategy, but um, in times like this, so at the time of this recording, we're in near the end of 2022 and the market for 2022 has just not been a good market. It was a bear market. So, um, so the, what I like to do is the leap call options. So mm. I buy SPY leap call options. And that, and that just for uh, all of you that are listening, um, I learned how to trade options on stocks. Uh, and now I'm simply an ETF options trader. I, I don't trade anything but SPY, SPX. That's it. Um, and it, it doesn't matter why that is. And for for those that are listening, it doesn't. It doesn't mean you have to do that. There's plenty of successful options traders that 
trade stocks. Mm-hmm. I think once they get to that level of success, they realize, oh, ETFs are so much less volatile and a little bit um, more, um, uh, what's the word? Almost, I don't want to say controllable or anything, but they're more, uh, you generally know what's going to happen. Uh, You you tend to see what's happening in Mm -hmm. a little easier sense where you don't have to deal with earnings plays. You don't have to deal with uh, as much news affecting an ETF as you do with a stock. So, so my favorite strategy is leap call options. That's mm. that's my favorite. It's the most difficult strategy um, for those that trade options and no options trading. They'll they'll disagree with me until I challenge them to successfully trade them for two years. I'll just give you two years. That's a long time for most people because they're like two years. I got to wait two years. It's like yeah, that's mm-hmm. what's difficult. Yep. But, uh, one of our co-trainers in the Options Wealth Academy did a back testing on this strategy that we teach that Travis taught me. And I already knew what the results were going to be from his back testing because I did it in real world. But um, it was amazing uh, to see it again. And one of the best parts about it is a majority of my money in my investment account is never touching the market. Yet my returns uh can be well one year my returns were up close to 98 percent, 97 and some change um so it's it it, that's my favorite strategy uh just a very very difficult because it requires the (laughs) ultimate in patience and discipline (laughs) ultimate ultimate in patience and discipline my second favorite strategy and i think you thought i was going to say this was my favorite because it used to be is uh Credit, I, credit I did. I did think you were going to say that was your favorite. <laughs> yeah. Credit spreads have a special place in my heart because I lost. Um, I remember when I first learned how to trade call options. That's That was the basic option strategy I learned from you. And, mm-hmm. and I was very successful. I remember uh, one, I think it was my, it was, I was into my second year of trading Um and I had like an 18% return near in the end of the year. Mm-hmm. And I saw a video you had put out about credit spreads. And I thought I knew what I was doing. So I went ahead and traded some credit spreads. And my 18% return ended the year at like a 4% return. <laughs> I, I think I know. Out. I'm sorry. I'll cut no, you go off. ahead. And I think I know what video you're talking about because I earned like 50, 60% a year. But most people see that, but like, oh, I want to trade credit spreads. So you look it up online. But nobody teaches it the way I teach it. So right. you did it the way most people teach it. And that's probably why you lost so much money. Yeah. 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 That, and then um, I ended up doing, once I learned how to do credit spreads. So that's, and that was kind of the catalyst for me to get into the Success Academy because mm. it was like, okay, <laughs> you know, buying call options using the templates that we used or even buying put options. I, I remember one of my first put option trades. Um, the, uh, it was on Lululemon. Mm-hmm. My daughter will appreciate this because I used to always think the name of that company was Lululemon. I don't know why. <laughs> and it, I used to say it that. It does and, look like it, Lululemon. <laughs> and one day my daughter, Gabby's like, Daddy, I thought you were joking, but you're serious. You think that's what it's called, Lululemon. She goes, like, it's Lululemon. I'm like, oh, okay. Um, but anyway, um, I remember tra- my first put option was on Lululemon. And I... I bought that put option for like $180 and 
four days later, it was worth five or $600. And I was like, holy crap, I just made a ton of money while everyone else was crying because Lululemon had crashed in price during Mm -hmm. earnings. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it was, it was awesome. Um, But anyway, uh, when I started learning uh, credit spreads, I traded out of the money credit spreads, which a lot of people, they'll tend to look at those as high probability options trades. Um, And I couldn't wrap my brain around the fact that that is a high probability, high risk trade as a very high risk trade. Mm -hmm. It's a high risk, low reward trade. And if you think about it in your brain, would you rather have a high risk, low reward or a low risk, high reward? And the bottom line is out of the money credit spreads are high risk, low reward trades. The good news on those spreads is I generated 14 months worth of income. The bad news was in one month, I wiped it all out because when an out of the money spread goes against you, just like any spread that goes against you, uh, you know, it takes a loss. But unfortunately, with out of money spreads, you're risking so much more. So mm-hmm. for every, so to kind of put it in perspective for those that don't know options, if you traded four options, let's say you had four different option uh, contracts on four different stocks. Um, if you do it the right way, the way we teach you, uh, or not right, other, just different, a different way. But if you do it a specific way mm-hmm. and you manage your risk, because it's really not about trading the option the correct way, it's about managing your risk. So when yes. you're managing it correctly, when you're managing your trades and your risk correctly, you can have three losing trades and two winning trades and still be profitable. Uh, because when I started learning under your your template, I had more losing trades than winning trades, but I was always profitable. Mm-hmm. And it's just because we manage our losses and we let our winners run and then we manage our risk going into every trade. The problem with out-of-the-money credit spreads is for every uh, losing trade, you need three to four winning trades. Mm-hmm. And the the reality with the market is, in many cases, you generally take more losses than you do wins in a lot of cases. You, I, I know I see a lot of gurus that say I have a 98% winning rate. Um, I always question it. And it, if they do, fantastic. Um, it's ironic that none of their students have a 40% winning rate with their 90% winning rate. But the reality is that's that's how out of the money kind of got me in trouble. Can I say one yeah. thing? Absolutely, I, I proved this, and I, I need to re, I need to show find this video. You can have a ninety percent win rate and still lose money. That's where they get you in the marketing because yeah. you're thinking ninety percent win rate. Psychologically, you're not prepared for the math. You think, oh, I don't even make money. Nope, you can have a ninety percent win rate and still lose money. And I've proved that with actual trades, showing people like this is what they're not showing you. They're marketing ninety percent win rate because you don't you're not thinking money. You're thinking percent win. I right. won. No, it's about how much money you make. Who cares if you got an 80% win rate? If you still lose money, right? If your count right. doesn't grow. Anyway, let me shut up. I, I, that, no, that's that a good, bothers me. That's a good point because that's that's in essence what happened to me with my option with my credit spreads, trading mm. out of the money. I had a high win rate. Think mm-hmm. about it. 14 months of all wins. Yep. One month of losing. Uh, you would think I would have a positive number at the end of that. I didn't. Yeah. I was at break even. I didn't lose money, mm-hmm. but can you imagine going to work for fourteen months and at the end of it saying, "Yeah, sorry, you didn't, you didn't meet the the goal, so give us all the cash back." 
mm-hmm. you'd be frustrated, right? Yep. To say the least. <laughs> and you'd probably quit. Um, that was how I really started to, that, but that experience was life-changing for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and every once in a while, when I think about trading and out of the money, as a matter of fact, I did some this year because of the way the market was, when we had opportunities to trade some of our cash flow trades, I was showing students, you know, if you want a little bit better probability here, trading mm-hmm. out of the money. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I just mentioned it on our last weekly that I will never do that ever again, because the reality is uh, even an out of the money spread in a bear market or an uncon, you know, a very volatile market is going to lose money. And but I'd, I'd just rather have less risk on the table mm-hmm. than more risk, right? So mm-hmm. I always find, and, and you get a better reward, you know, for the in the money spreads. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, um, spreads used to be my favorite. I, I, what I enjoy about spreads is they keep you busy, but I found I make a ton of money when I'm bored. So mm-hmm. I just rather stick to boredom and take up other hobbies or, or, you know, I work on my honeydew list because I got a long one. So, I think that's a perfect way to sum it up. Our favorite strategy is the one that's the most boring and the one that makes us the most money. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> that's my whatever that's my favorite strategy. Whatever strategy is the most boring and makes me the most money. That's yeah. ultimately my favorite strategy. <laughs> and technically yours and I our strategies are similar. Yeah. The only yeah. difference between mine is especially it's depending on the the size of your account. I'm not selling a a put to use that cash to buy a call. I'm just, I'm just yeah. in, investing my own money into that call option. But um, that's always going to be a caveat based on the size of your account. It is. You don't want to be selling, especially if you do like us with SPY at $400 a share, a $400 strike put, you better have 40 grand in your account because if you get exercised, that's what you need. Um so- Good point. I need to put that in the book. You're right. It's based. You have to have a larger account to do the office strategy. Yeah, yeah. You can't do it a small. Well, account. you don't. You don't technically have to. But <laughs> you well, in big trouble if you. Yeah, if it, when it goes against you, it it, it hurts. Yeah, and, we and don't do naked. Yeah, right. we don't do naked options. Yeah, technically you could do it if you got involved in naked options, which we don't teach you. Yeah. Tell, tell, yeah, it's just the risk is former investing, and we highly discourage it. I don't care what yeah. anybody says about it, it's just not smart, not not smart at all, in yeah. my humble opinion, <laughs> or not so humble opinion. <laughs> um, okay, well, I think that's great that for this episode, it, yeah. buddy. Yeah, we'll stick close to our 20 minutes, we try to make each episode uh, around 20 minutes, uh, nuggets of wisdom, and uh, keep coming back uh, for more. Uh, information and tools and techniques that help you earn a million dollars trading in the options market. Perfectly summed up. (laughs) All right. All right, Dan. See you in the next episode. Yeah. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Options Millionaire Podcast. Be sure to join us each week as we dive into all the tools and techniques we use to become seven-figure traders. For more information and a copy of our show notes, head to www.optionswealthacademy.com.